too much effort. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, ow. Um. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show that wants to remind you that Null is coming. Null is coming hard, and Null is coming everywhere. I'm Max. And I'm JR. How's it going? Uh, I don't know. It's fine. Yeah. I, uh, I've been... I've been re-watching Community... Just yeah, a because lot of, a lot of people have been doing that. My brother just finished doing that like two or three weeks ago. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, it's one of those things that, for one thing, I generally like the show. Like, yeah, I like, you know, it's a lot of fun. And even the, even the episodes that aren't as good, like season four is garbage, but uh season six is not as good as past seasons but uh by the same token there is there is an episode where you know they add Paget Brewster and Keith David and I love Keith David um and uh they're they're doing they're doing this this crisis room episode and uh and Keith David makes this makes this comment about like it's like when you're watching TV and such and such happens and Paget Brewster just goes oh I don't own a TV and he just looks at her and it's like this lingering reaction shot and he's like And, like, all he does is he he goes from, like, a slightly surprised look and just lowers one eyebrow slightly so that it's like a what the fuck. But, and it's just a couple seconds, but it's brilliantly executed. And plus, you know, it's just like watching watching a show you've never seen before. You know, when you're like me, it adds to your anxiety. I was about to say that. I saw a very good tweet that was like, people with anxiety watch the same shows and movies over and over again because they know what's coming and it doesn't, like, you know, it's very comfortable. And I was like, oh, that's what I've been doing. Because I because yeah. I do that, I don't do that with TVs and, and shows. Like, if I'm going to watch something, I generally try to get something new. Or mm-hmm. the MCU. So movies don't really count for the last three years for, because I'm a garbage person. But whatever. Uh, but what I do with audio is podcasts by people that I know and trust. And like, or unless so like, the, I got a couple. So Adventure Zone, I know that's going to be good and solid and not going to freak me out too bad. Um, and, uh, you know, the quick question and whatever the hell else i listen to uh the star trek next generation or podcast by matt meyer and andy secunda i know that's going to be what it is because i kind of know a lot of this next generation stuff um yeah 
but when it's when it comes to books, I listen. I have listened to the Expanse, a eight book. Each one is like twenty hours. I've listened to it full twice in the past yeah. two years, and I'm threatening to do it again before the end of this yeah. year because the ninth book is supposed to come out, and I'm excited for the ninth book, but like. I still get it. If something bad happens to one of those characters in that book, and I know it's coming, I still get worked up. Um, I don't know. It's well, weird. Or even, or even but like I get worked up in a way uh, that I, I was watching. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was watching American Gods season two because mm-hmm. um, I had, I just got around to watching that. Um, and God, what a pity Orlando Jones has left that show. But. Uh, the thing about it is, you know, having read the book, I knew Mad Sweeney was going to die, but they've greatly expanded his character yeah. in the show, and he's Pablo Schreiber was great as Mad Sweeney, and so like all through season two, I'm like shitting bricks because I'm like, well, are they because you know they've expanded both Mad Sweeney and Bilquis, uh. And it's just kind of like, well, are they still going to kill her? Or are they still going to kill him? Like, what's happening? Like, yeah, you know. Because didn't they actually give, <clears throat> didn't they actually expand on uh, his wife's character, too? Like, because on, in the book, uh, she's. Laura? Uh, yeah. In the book, she's yeah. almost a non entity. Like, she's. Uh, she, she, in the, she feels to me she, in the book. She feels to me like she is a goal, not a person. I think I don't know that I agree with that. Okay. In as much as I think that a lot of the bones of what they've done in the show are present in the book. Laura is not as developed a character in the book as she is in the show. Okay. But I don't think she's quite a non-entity. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. They've, they've expanded on a lot of characters. Um, you, actually, you actually see Thor. Uh, they do a flashback episode and stuff like that. And... But yeah, like the the thing about it is like Mad Sweeney, like I said, you know, I'm I'm sitting there the entire time having palpitations because it's like, well, as far as the book is concerned, I know what's coming. But also like, do I <laughs> like, you know, and so and even when it did actually happen, then it was radically different than the book where you know in the book he just like freezes to death but um in the show it's a much different situation and i'm just like "Mm." because they they do they they get so far into who matt sweeney actually is because in the book he's just a leprechaun whatever he's matt sweeney um But, and I, you know, it's, it's interesting, um, because in doing the whole thing with the show, 
you know, I was telling Casey, well, the character, the character that Mad Sweeney is, is kind of where our last name comes from and stuff like that. Even though the character, it's spelled um, S-U-I-B-H-N-E. Yeah. But B-H in Gaelic is a V sound, like yeah. in Siobhan. Yeah. So his name was actually Hivney. Um, and, uh, but then it's like, before he was a leprechaun, he was a pagan king. But then before he was a pagan king, he was actually an Irish god king. Um, and stuff like that. And so they put all this effort into the character of Mad Sweeney, and then when they do kill him, it's just like, fuck! Anyway. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been anxiety watching a lot of shows. I've been rage watching, uh, House Hunters Renovation, because, oh, we uh, used to do that. House Hunters in general gives me a, a rage boner. Um, and then add to that the fact that they're doing reno, renovation. Yeah. And I'm just like, you are a stupid fuck. And I hate you. And <laughs> like, like we just watched one where this couple was just like, yeah, we've got all these un, unexpected uh expenses but you know it's it's whatever i'd rather pay for it now than have to pay for it down the road and it's like because your parents are paying for it you stupid piece of shit <laughs> anyway uh news news uh big news this week is uh marvel and scholastic have worked out a deal <clears throat> for scholastic to release books about miles morales Kamala Khan and Shuri. Um, and, you know, you and I were talking. There is a there is a tendency within our community. And I use the term loosely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to to think of. Superhero comics as comics. Right. Um, we re we refer to Marvel and DC as the big two. Right. But. But the fact of the matter is, comics in general, the biggest comics out there are things by Dave Pilkey and Raina Telgemeier and, you know, stuff like that. It's Scholastic, you know, Iron Spike uh, just tweeted the graph that shows that Scholastic, when viewed as a whole, the comics industry is like 40% Scholastic. Yeah. So there are going to be a lot of people that are just like, Oh, well, that's really good for Scholastic. No, no. that's really good for Marvel. This is, this is a, <clears throat> this is a good for, Scholastic does not need this. They, no. they might like it, right? They might think, oh, well, that'll be something else we can publish and sell. Uh, yeah, fine. Yeah. This is a huge boon for Marvel, though, to get more of Miles kamala like those characters in specific like that's a really good deal because they are you know it's been the argument forever but hemorrhaging new readers kids it's hard to get kids into these comics 
because shit, we're reading them now, and it would be hard to get me into this um, yeah. if I were eight. Um, yeah, and I yeah. So getting putting the characters in front of them in some other context. And then being like, and also, if you want, there's this whole store down the way that sells yeah. all sorts of characters. <clears throat> some are like this, and some aren't. Take an adult. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, good, really good for Marvel. Um, this is yeah. a Marvel, like I was saying, Scholastic. This is nice for Scholastic. Like, they might like it. This is great for marvel they need this well i think it's i think it's worth mentioning that you know while while marvel does have the weight of disney behind them i do not doubt that the way this worked was marvel had to come in and make a presentation to scholastic as to why it was beneficial to scholastic yeah to yeah, do this yeah. um you know and i was saying like <clears throat> uh you know, when I was a kid, one of the ways that I got new stuff in front of me was the school book fair. Oh, yeah. And I went to my daughter's school book fair here recently, and, you know, the comic stuff that was there was primarily Raina Tel- Telgemeier and Dave Pilkey and stuff like that. And the only, like, superhero books were the occasional like lego dc sure i think had there was one there that came with like an aquaman minifigure or something like that like there were there were not a lot of you know superhero things that were not scholastic characters yeah and so you know like i said uh yeah so good for Marvel. Yep. Um, maybe okay for Scholastic. <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing, this is kind of like the null is coming thing, except it makes me angry. Oh, um, that's healthy. <laughs> well, like a like a good cleansing anger. Oh, not okay. like the kind of thing that's going to keep me up at night, but just like oh, that gets it out in a healthy way. Like you know. Uh, <laughs> So, DC has split with Diamond. Um, Right. And as a result, DC is going to be releasing new books on Tuesdays. Um, And Marvel, so, you know, traditionally, New Comic Book Day has been Wednesday. Right. Um, Which, whatever. Um, I'm not married to that day. It doesn't really make a difference to me, but whatever. Um, the thing is, with that happening, Marvel has now decided that they are soliciting variants for their books that are just a blank cover in a, in some color, some sort of pastel, That just says, on sale Wednesday. That's it. That's the variance they're selling. And Mitch Gerard's uh, tweeted something about, like, how basically this is... This is Marvel using, you know, 
taking an opportunity to put out a variant without having to pay an artist. Well, which yes, I don't. Here's the thing: I don't know if somebody walked into a room and said, "Hey, I got this great idea of how we can fuck over artists." I do think that's a bonus for Marvel. <laughs> in that, like, we can sell we can sell a whole other issue to fucking morons. And look, if you buy variants, I don't care. Whatever. I personally hate them. Uh, but if you're buying these variants, it's because there's something fundamentally broken in you. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> if if you are such a completionist that you see these covers and it's like, uh, well, that sucks, but I'm buying it. Then, like, maybe someone else should handle your finances. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. But, you could do you could do a lot of other things with that five bucks. Yeah, like just a lot of other things. I could think of many things that you could do with that five bucks. Yep. In a general gestures at the world kind of yeah. way. Uh, yeah. So, I was hoping to be able to see a screenshot of these proposed covers. What the fuck? Why? It... Fine. You assholes. This is just a... Let's... Whatever. I don't care. Did It'll you go find away. the cover? Yeah, I hate it. I hate, I hate it. it it's, it's it's bullshit. Um, it is, yeah. let's take a jab at DC because people think we care about taking a jab at DC. And it's like, DC's making a better business decision than you. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Let's get mad for other reasons. Okay. Uh, so, comics. Starting with Incredible Hulk number 219 has a cover by Ernie Chan and is written by Len Wein and Roger Stern, penciled by Sal Buscema, Buscema uh, inked by Ernie Chan, colored by Glennis Wein, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Rich Parker, and edited by Len Wein. Um... This is, this is a stupid fucking, uh, whatever. This this Hulk arc, winds up on an island. Yeah, this arc is meets dumb. a meets a guy who's just like Friday. It's you. I. It's me, your friend Robinson Crusoe. And um, he's like, come back to my camp. Let's hang out and be chill. Hey, here's a machine I have. But then, like, they're attacked by, um, well, they're attacked by this, uh, this pirate called Captain Barracuda. Yep. Uh, if you've been listening, if you've been listening for a while, he first, he first appeared back in the days of, like, Strange Tales. Yeah. And fought Human Torch and Iceman. Uh, so, that's the caliber of character we're talking about. Like, if you originally appeared in the Human Torch issues of Strange Tales, 
you've got nowhere to go but just maintaining the course like you're not you're not going anywhere you're just if, the best if you we've had there is, that is that is as high as you're going to get yeah um so yeah um but in the end captain barracuda demands <clears throat> that hulk stop fighting them or he will kill captain caruso and uh then he blasts the hulk and the hulk collapses or whatever i think that's mostly next issue well he demands that they that he, he let them take the machine or they'll kill caruso um whatever caruso or crusoe i forget I think I've been if I've been saying it wrong in my head this whole time I'm going well, to the be char- very the embarrassed. The the literary character is Crusoe. It's Crusoe. He calls himself Crusoe. Does he? Okay. Yeah. I was I don't know. I have this You're forgiven. The wiki whatever. I don't <laughs> um care. yeah. Yikes. Okay, next issue. Uh, Incredible Hulk number 220 is lettered by Irving Watanabe. Um, And they blast the Hulk. The Hulk collapses. Uh, He and Crusoe are taken back to the underground or the undersea base that Barracuda is using, uh, which used to belong to somebody else. I forget who, but I don't really give a shit yeah um and uh they the hulk the hulk follow like grabs hold of their sub and follows them down and then proceeds to stealth his way which is a really weird thing to see the hulk doing like the hulk being stealthy is kind of weird but he does it he doesn't want to get blasted again like he was at the beginning of the issue so it makes sense but it's also like really weird to be see like hulk sneak yeah (laughs) um but so they take this robinson crusoe dude and they use the machine on him and it turns out he was a scientist that was working on this machine they were They took it to the island to test it where it would be safe to do so, and it wound up turning all of the scientists, with the exception of this guy, into ape men. And then this guy lost his mind and started to think he was Robinson Crusoe. Uh, But they turn him into an ape man. And then, like, uh, they're just like, cool. Let's, uh... Yeah, what's lock the f- him in a cell now. What's the fucking plan, guy? Eight man, really... eight men for eight men for days. This this is the plan. The, just sure. If, if you stand against me, I'll turn you into an eight man. That my... makes as much sense as anything. Okay, like, like there is literally there is no use for this that isn't dumb. Yeah. So, whatever. But it, Hulk finds the Hulk. former scientist, now Ape Man, and he's just like, 
you were my friend. So he lets him out. And they then proceed to make their way through. Hulk starts fighting all these dudes. The ape man goes and finds the machine and he and like he turns it on and it turns everybody in the place <laughs> into an ape man uh and then also like things are about to explode so in the interim hulk got hit by the ray again turns into bruce uh, the ape man grabs after the <clears throat> after he turns everybody in the place into ape men by overloading the machine but before the power plant explodes. He grabs Bruce, throws him in an emergency sub, launches that, and then the place goes up. Um, yeah. How hardy har. Yeah. Har- hooray. Whatever. Um, so Banner and the scientist dog. Yeah. Survive. Yeah. Whoop de doo. Um, <clears throat> Incredible Hulk number two twenty one. Has a cover by Rich Buckler and Joe Rubenstein, uh, written by Roger Stern, inked by Alfreda Alcala, colored by Janice Cohen, lettered by Denise Wall, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Uh, this this issue basically Banner is Banner's escape sub is found by a ship. Uh, captained by Walter Newell. Yeah. Who had apparently shown up in Submariner. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Um he's actually Stingray. Whatever. They That's the head important. for <laughs> That's yeah. the only important part. They head for New York and uh they are dealing with the port authorities when Banner is just like nope and hops in a taxi and heads out. Newell tracks him down, uh, and Banner's just like, hey, go fuck yourself. April, meanwhile, I guess after the events of the last few issues, Jim tells her that Bruce is the Hulk, and she's now terrified of Bruce, which, understandable. Fine. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things of, I've been giving April shit, because... Yeah. Here, here's the thing. Do I think Bruce has a responsibility to tell whoever's in his immediate vicinity, hey, by the way, I'm the Hulk? Yeah, of course. Because that's only fair. Like, yeah. you are a danger to everyone around you. You should let them know. This um, is why you should not be in New York, but, you know, or any major metropolitan area, or actually any... Hamlet, like if it's got and more than two hundred people in it, you, occupied place. <laughs> yeah, if it's got more than two hundred people in in a general area, you probably shouldn't be there. Um, yeah, yeah. But by the same token, April is also insufferable because she has no reason to think there's anything like hulky about Bruce, yeah. uh, and still just will not get out of his shit. So. They both suck here. But (laughs) anyway, she's now terrified. Newell shows up and he's just like, hey, dude, like you, what are you doing? You're in New York. Like, are you fucking high? Um, And uh, yeah, 
so and Bruce is on a power trip because on the cab ride here, the cabbie was reckless and endangering himself and others as well. And uh, Bruce manages to fight down changing into the Hulk. So he thinks, oh, now, because it happened one goddamn time, I've got this under control and I can handle myself. So when Newell's like, no, you got to come back and we got to talk to the cops or the Port Authority at very least so you can report what the shit happened to you on the ocean... Uh, Bruce is like, hell no, I don't. I'm my own man now, and I'll fight you. And Newell's like, okay, if you won't come for me. They're both assholes here, by the way. Like, they're just unreasonable. Uh, This is is a bunch of shitty people being shitty. Yeah. Uh, Newell reacts by turning himself into, or switching into Stingray mode, and uh, goes to blast Bruce to subdue. Uh, Jim jumps in the way and takes the hit for him, which causes Bruce to lose his shit. He goes and turns into the Hulk. Uh, They fight each other and completely wreck the fuck out of the front of uh, April's building. Um, So now Mm -hmm. she has no reason to let him back in, which is good. Uh, Bruce, or yeah, Bruce is about, Hulk is about to straight up murder, um, Stingray because he thinks Jim is dead. Jim jumps in the way and is like, "No, I'm not dead. Uh, just let him down. You know, you 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 will never. We won't be friends if you kill him." And uh, Hulk's like, "Fuck this! I'm tired of all my friends telling me they're my friends and then not letting them, then not letting me be my friends." Right? Like, he's pissed. Yeah, he's just he's sick of people telling him what to do. So, people claim claiming to be his friends and like and then telling hey, don't him do that. don't hey don't, don't do that yeah and so he bounds off into the city and we're left being like oh and Stingray's like yeah but if he's turned against his friends what a, what help, hope is there for the rest of us and it's I I don't know quit the Hulk is misunderstood and he is pissed almost rightfully most of the time but like. Mm-hmm. You guys do this to yourselves. Like, the Hulk is the Hulk. You know what you're getting yeah. into. Or you yeah. fucking well should by now. And uh, they... Everybody keeps making the same goddamn mistakes. It's what... Sometimes the Hulk feels a little dry to me. Especially in stories like this. Because it's like... I've just seen... It's just different characters doing the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. So... Anyway, so he bounds off. uh, Over. Background to all of this is that mysterious drifter that wandered in out of the desert is now, like, missing. And everybody's like, where the fuck is he? And they're like, hey, uh, we've checked everywhere. And they're like, did you check here? And they're like... What, the high security labs? No, my guy, even my guys can't get in there. And they're like, well, go and fucking check. So. Uh-oh. Whatever. Um, it's really, it's really hard. Because in the course, in the course of doing this, I'll sometimes stumble upon, like, what it turns out that something is. And so I know who this is. Oh. Uh, or I know what the deal is, you know? Right. And 
It's hard for it. I just kind of want him to get the fuck on with it, you know? Yeah, why didn't we do that this week? I mean, as far as, like I was saying, this is a story, the A plot of this is a story I've seen over and over and over again, which is somebody pushes, Bruce acts like an asshole, right? Because mm-hmm. that is actually what always happens. Bruce starts it. Bruce acts like an asshole. Okay, maybe not all the time, but 95, or shit, 75% of the time is Bruce thinks he's got it under control and acts like an asshole. Something happens to somebody else. He turns into the Hulk. And then the situation is exasperated, exasperated by whoever is around to fight the Hulk. Yeah. And then the Hulk pummels them or whatever, wins, and then bounces or quits beating them uh, and bounds away. That is yeah. a story we've seen a lot. Why can't we do that? You can do that story and still have a Hulk story, right? Mm-hmm. And shorten it down to like just half yeah. the book and do a lot of other work on your other characters. That's fine. You still get to have your Hulk beats the crap out of a dude. Um, but that's not as interesting as just getting on with this. With the, the Hulk, weird blonde dude. Hulk, as a general rule, is a book about managed expectations because generally speaking barring stuff like what Peter David did where they started introducing like different hulks and yada 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 most hulk stories come down to hulk won't be left alone somebody won't leave hulk alone there's a fight hulk is left alone or hulk won't be left alone oh hulk found a place where hulk can belong place is taken away from hulk hulk sad hulk won't be left alone that's that's primarily what the book is 90 percent of the time yeah so it doesn't mean that we can't have good comics i'm 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 not i'm not disputing that i'm just saying that is 95 percent of what the story the main, the A plot of almost all Hulk is always that, but mm-hmm. the B plots are sometimes good enough to get my to distract me away from that. Is that is right. what I mean? And this is not one of those. None of this, none of the three arcs or three stories are have B plots with enough to get me distracted from. Yeah, the tr- the structure you just outlined, and yeah, that's. Yeah. I guess you're right. It is manage expectations because it's like it's not bad. So I mean what it what it what it comes down to is other books can be a lot of different things. You know? Um X Men can be X Men can just as easily be a small story about basic prejudice and then the next issue be we're going into space now. But Hulk is right. one of those things of, regardless of where he is, it's always primarily one of those two types of stories. Um, and so it's, 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 it's one that you've got to, you've got to be really into <laughs> that. You've got to be really into the character to stick with it through that. 
Yeah. So, uh, Iron Fist number fifteen. Has a cover by Dave Cockrum and Irving Watanabe. Is written by Chris Claremont, penciled by John Byrne, inked by Dan Green, colored by Bruce Patterson, lettered by Annette Kowecki, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, the issue, this issue, doesn't really do a lot. Um, the the a plot is basically. Iron Fist is attacked by Steel Serpent and drained of chi. And then Steel Serpent's like, okay, peace. Um, and then he goes to Misty and Jean's apartment. He's seen by Wolverine, who then thinks he's a burglar. He attacks, the X-Men get involved, it becomes a thing, until eventually Phoenix and Cyclops show up, and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? This is, this is Misty's friend, Danny. The B-plot is Misty is off on her undercover thing, uh, having been sent by D.A. Tower, and has now not only infiltrated Bushmaster's operation, but is actually, like, fucking him? Yeah, she got real, real close. Um, yeah. Perhaps, even she admits, perhaps too close. Yep. Um, and... Bushmaster is suitably scary. Like, and I mean that in a, like, slow boil kind of way. Like, she th is nervous around him. Uh, yeah. And it's it's really well done. Um, my absolute favorite part of this fight, though. So, it gets really, really cl Chris Claremont <laughs> really, really fast. Uh, in in one specific part, which is Storm comes in, or Storm is also arriving at the party. So in the fight currently is Danny versus uh, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and Colossus. Wolver mm -hmm. or Storm lands on the roof. Uh, apparently they've got roof access, and she comes in through that roof access door right as Colossus hits the buffet table, launching some sort of salad. 70s gelatin salad at her it may have been potato salad but i mean yeah it could have been some weird spam jello salad yeah. thing i mean the 70s the 70s were kind of the wild west as far as shitty cuisine yep so uh, so and it hits her square in the face at which point, all four of them on the floor below go turn and go, oh shit. And then it cuts to the next panel where the top of the building is just erupting in lightning. And I'm like, yeah. that is fucking amazing. Like, Claremont can do that occasionally, right? Where it gets a little yeah. goofy, but like, this is also a great way to just essentially get the shit out of this fight um yeah they don't get it all the way but it is hysterical um and i don't you know it says something about storms uh control impulse control and anger issues but also it's it's just funny as hell i loved it well it's uh, very easy to forget these people are all very young like we yeah. tend to think of you know, the X-Men is being a... It, there's a reason that when 
the X-Men crossed over with DC, it was with the new Teen Titans. And yeah. that's because the X-Men tends to skew younger. Every it they're like the Titans in that they introduce a teen team, the teenagers up, they introduce a new te- team of teenagers. Mm-hmm. It's the same cycle as with uh, the Titans and Young Justice and all of that. It is very easy to forget that these characters are all incredibly young, barring Wolverine. Um, and as such, they react that way. Um, the thing that I do kind of like is that at the end of this, uh, Jean is getting ripped a new one by her landlord. And, uh, or her ten, her super, I guess. And he's saying, "Well, I've contacted the la- the owners of the building, Rand Meacham, and they're gonna they've given me clearance to evict you immediately." And Danny's there, and he's like, "Hey, you said Rand Meacham," and he's like, "Yeah, what's it to you? Who the fuck are you?" And he's like, "Well, I'm actually Danny Rand." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so he tells he tells Gene he's like I'll make a call tomorrow you'll be fine like, uh, you'll be fine don't worry about it oh also he offers to like he says I'm sorry about all the damage though in a very like I could also take care of that too and yeah. uh, she's like don't worry about that I think I have someone I can hand have take care of it right Wolverine and Wolverine Burr. so it's a little bit of a Scooby Doo ending but like it still works um, entirely. Yeah. I there's also a part in the middle of it where after st- after uh, uh, Phoenix and Cyclops show up, she's like, "What the hell are you doing? This is Danny Rand. He's Misty's friend." And Danny says to himself, "Holy shit! Does everybody know that?" <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, dude, you're the worst. At keeping your secret identity, you may yeah. people only don't know because they don't know who Iron Fist is. Like, yeah, you're better at keeping Iron Fist secret than you and keeping that you and Iron Fist are the same person. Yeah, yeah, pretty much because it's basically as soon as people find out Iron Fist exists, they're like, "So Iron Fist is Danny Rand, right?" <laughs> and he's just like, "Fuck, <laughs> damn it." Uh, um, um, I do, I do like this cause it's, it is by and large a very low stakes issue. Um, but it just is a bit of fun. Yeah, it is and, fun. Yeah. And uh, it's also, it's a heroes fighting heroes. That's and normally we, you know, we talk about all the time that how that sometimes, and actually most times really fucking annoying, but the impetus is Danny showed up because he was basically out of you just out of it like he shouldn't be there um he knows misty isn't there he just completely forgot and needed a friend or help because he thought he was dying um wolverine is like fuck that burglar in genie's house gonna murder it and that's the impetus for the fight and that's actually understandable on both ends so and it's and like like i said it's so low stakes that it's not it's not a heroes fighting heroes for the sake of, you know, a little boy's 
operation or yeah you know whatever it's just like meh, whatever like they mistook him for a burglar a fight ensued some stuff was broken and then everybody had potato salad <laughs> yeah uh it sucks that this is the last issue and i never thought i would say man it sucks that uh, iron fist was canceled um iron fist was really really weird Right? Because yeah. when it was good, it was really fucking good. Yeah. Um, the f- first few issues were rough. Um, mm-hmm. But it kind of, it feels like it found its voice uh, by the end here. Maybe yeah. not with this issue, but like the previous four or five. And this issue is just, uh, we're can- the book's canceled, let's have a bang. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, it sort of sucks. Yeah. Uh, all of the plot threads wind up be- getting tied up elsewhere. Um, because the... Um, the stuff with Steel Serpent, uh, and then also the stuff with... Uh, Bushmaster will eventually get tied up either in Marvel Team Up or once Iron Fist becomes a character in Power Man. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't far off because uh, Power Man becomes Power Man and Iron Fist in like the 50s. And I think we've read through 46. Um, but yeah, so. Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number nine, has a cover by George Perez, is written by Bill Mantlo, penciled by Sal Buscema, inked by Mike Esposito, colored by Phil Rachelson, lettered by John Costanza, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, the There's a bunch of protests at ESU because the shitty school administration is like, well, we're hurting for money, so we're going to close down the night school. And the protesters are like, closing down the night school is going to predominantly affect students of color. Uh, And the administration is just like, well, that sucks. And this um, professor, a guy by the name of Professor Vasquez, is just like, well, that's bullshit. So, it turns out that ESU has a copy of the Erskine manuscript, uh, which they they were offered a ton of money to from someone looking to buy it, which they turned down because it's a huge draw for the school and it's very prestigious to have this manuscript, whatever. Uh, this, this I think, is one of the more interesting things about this comic in terms of the fact that Peter, for his part, is kind of, a, kind of in a quandary because he's like, I don't know where I come down on this because, on the one hand, a lot of students are drawn to ESU because they have stuff like the Erskine manuscripts, but also... I'm not directly affected by their decision to close the night school. 
and so I don't really have the perspective necessary to be able to make a decision about whether how I feel about this. And it's it's a very grounded moment from Peter, mm-hmm. uh, and I really like it. And any he, yeah. he's talking he as Peter Parker, he actually you know he kind of stands in the back of the protest and is just sort of watching and does one of the does that guy talk to him or does he talk to that guy i forget there's it, an, I, there's an encounter between him and hector uh, yeah who's in hector that basically where do he he kind of explains hector just sort of lays it down um that if he's can't do this night school when he can because he has to work um then he has to go back to the he basically says he's got to go back to the streets um and it's weird the only part of this that i think is weird but maybe maybe hector's just being kind um is where he's like hey hector's like hey man i don't mean to come down on you um it's not it's not your problem it's ours and i was like well that's not because you're white so this just won't affect you at all and peter's like yeah i guess so it's that, i think that, that moment, can be to can be taken as sort of a white writer trying to assuage the guilt of the white reader being like but you know ultimately like it is it's also okay, true. man. <laughs> it's it, yeah. It is also true. Um, and he, I like Peter's reaction to that, where he's just because he's like, I guess I can think he's like that can be true, and I can also think it sucks. Um, yeah, I I I like that he doesn't. When Hector goes, you know, this isn't your problem. Peter doesn't just go immediate. It just immediately go. Oh, thank God! <laughs> like, but so uh, so the thrust of this is that Peter goes to the library and the White Tiger is stealing the manuscript. There's an altercation during which a band of dudes shows up to steal the manuscript, and blah blah blah. At the end of this issue, uh, Spider-Man, um, Spider-Man goes to the offer, the office of the Daily Globe, reads up on White Tiger, and talks to this guy, Blackbird, boy, um, and then heads to Professor Vasquez's office where Vasquez is confronted by White Tiger. Uh, Spider-Man breaks it up and they get ready to fight. Which brings us to Spectacular Spider-Man number 10, which is uh, which has a cover by George Perez and Frank Giacoya and is inked by Mike Esposito and Frank Giacoya, colored by Sam Cato and lettered by Irving Watanabe. This issue is primarily um, Spider-Man going after, taking on White Tiger. White Tiger being like, hey man, you've got the wrong of this. But then 
he's just like, you know what? You want to fucking attack me? Fuck you. Um, and then Spider-Man going, oh shit, maybe I have this wrong. Wait, wait, wait. And he's like, no, man, no, you don't, you don't get to call a timeout now. Um, but then, you know, they're, they're fighting, knocks a wall over and White Tiger saves a kid, but then Spider-Man like pulls the wall the other way and they, they're just like, okay, so maybe we're cool. Um, of course, Spider-Man sees the people in the neighborhood that they're fighting in cheering on White Tiger and realizes, hey, wait a minute, you know, this guy's a hero to them. Maybe I've got this turned around. That's what causes him to th rethink the fight. Uh, Blackbird, meanwhile, tracks down the dudes who were trying to steal the manuscript, and it turns out to be a, a gang that... Uh, White Tiger had tangled with Spider-Man and White Tiger head to the campus uh, right as Vasquez is is confessing to the cops and the school administration that he stole the manuscript um, which magically causes the administration to be like well maybe we can find a way to work this out that won't require us to close the night school. Blackbird arrives with the gang saying these were actually the, these guys were trying to steal it. They weren't working with white tiger, blah, 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 whatever. Um, I feel like ESU is going to be paying to keep the night school open with what would have been Vasquez's, salary but i don't know we'll see i guess whatever um white tiger and this is fine like i think this is the first encounter i've had with white tiger because it had been the sons of the tiger previously yeah they do a little um, bit of background at the end of the previous issue where they're like okay how we got here for all of you that weren't reading Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, because no one was reading Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, yeah. uh, here's how we got to White Tiger. And yeah. um, I think he's okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the story as a whole is a fucking mess, honestly. Uh, that first issue in the library, trying to figure out... I know it's intentionally misleading, because we're supposed to think that it's always the same White Tiger, but, like, yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to figure out. Um, and then... There's a lot of red herrings and false starts and blah, 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 and it's really frustrating, but... Uh, yeah. As far as, as far as that goes... Meh, it was fun. It's a good fight. Um, yeah, that that I'll say for sure. Like it's it takes them from ESU, which is I guess it probably on Manhattan somewhere, and then moves them to the Bronx. Like mm -hmm. that's how far they get, and that's pretty cool. Like that they were continuing that fight while moving the whole way. Um, it's good. The fight's good. Uh, yeah. 
And then, I'm actually kind of excited for Daredevil, which is weird. Daredevil, number 146, and yeah, I... This week has been really interesting because Daredevil didn't completely suck. Yeah. And I realized this week how close we are to Miller's Daredevil. Right. Where, look, you can you can argue whether or not, you know, you can argue about Miller. That's fine. You can argue whether or not his books work as well as some claim. But I think... I think it is incredibly fair to say that Miller's Daredevil is a massive step up <laughs> from what Daredevil has been. Like Yes. You can you can you can talk about where Daredevil actually ranks overall and there are going to be different different opinions on that. But in when compared to what Daredevil has been it's high art. It's high fucking art. Well, and we get <laughs> we get proto versions of the character by different writers this week. Um, yeah. Different writers, and we also get the beginning of uh, Klaus Janssen on on the book in some capacity as well. Um, yeah. He's inking at first, but he's the art is especially with this first issue that we're going to talk about the, as soon as I hit the first page, I was like, Oh shit. The inks in this are fantastic. Like it's really weird when I started noticing that. in one forty six, I believe so. And that might not be well, Jansen, but the inks are good. Six is not, but Oh yeah. They, it's Jim Mooney who isn't bad. Um, so, Daredevil 146 has a cover by Gil Kane and is written by Jim Shooter, penciled by Gil Kane, inked by Jim Moody, colored by Don Warfield, lettered by Denise Wall, and edited by Archie Goodwin. The main thrust of this issue is uh, that um, Daredevil is out chilling. When he picks up on Bullseye down on the street, he swings down, changes to his civilian clothes, and follows him. Bullseye goes into a gun shop um, and pulls a golf ball out of his pocket um, when he's talking to the proprietor. Matt intervenes, and he's like, no, that guy was getting ready to rob the place. The police are just like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. all of this. Uh, as they head out, um, Bullseye wings the golf ball into uh, Matt's head, which fucks up his heightened senses. So then, Matt heads um, to the office and uh, Bullseye is, heads home and it rages about how he was only in the gun shop to steal a gun for his personal collection, but he's just, like, angry about, like, everything. So he goes over and takes out over, a, or he goes out and takes over a television station 
and takes the people hostage, saying he'll kill them if Daredevil doesn't show up. So Daredevil shows up. Uh, they fight. His his senses kind of blink in and out, um, but he manages to defeat Bullseye um, while taking a bullet in the in the shoulder. Um, at the end of it, uh, Bull Daredevil asks Bullseye, you know, who had hired him uh, in their previous encounter, and Bullseye says that it was Glenn, meaning Heather's dad. Um, so yeah, uh, Daredevil number one forty-seven is inked and colored by Klaus Janssen. Um, Daredevil is leaving the scene when he is uh, mobbed by people who are just like, you're so great, can I touch your horns? Blah, blah, blah. And he kind of loses it and is just like, leave me the fuck alone and like shoves people out of his way. And uh, the people are just like, God, what a fucking dick. Can you believe that guy? We were just trying to tell him how good a job he did. But it's like, like one of these people like stuck their finger in the bullet hole. <laughs> and it's just like, well, yeah, he was kind of a dick because you all were being dicks. But whatever. So uh, he heads to the offices of Maxwell Glenn and he's just like, it's over. We're waiting for the police. And Maxwell Glenn is just like, yeah, okay. You got me. <laughs> and Daredevil's just like, you're being weird. Okay. Well, at first he's like, I don't fucking care, man. Screw you. Um, and then he's like, as he's leaving, he's like, yeah, this is really weird. Um, yeah. Yeah. After he leaves, uh, a panel slides in the office up to reveal that it's actually Purple Man, um, whom yep. last we saw explode in a plane, if I remember correctly. Is, as I recall, the last time he showed up was when Daredevil and Black Widow were in San Francisco. That's what and, I thought, uh, too. He was seemingly killed whatever uh but Kilgrave is just like you're gonna forget I was involved and Glenn's like okay <laughs> so um Glenn is arrested Heather is broken up about it uh um in the in the in the end Glenn is being a lot more remorseful now, and Daredevil's just kind of like, that's really odd. Really odd. Um, and then he goes back to Glenn's office and discovers the secret door. Um, goes inside. Kilgrave has a bunch of other... Um, captains of industry including Foggy's um fiance Debbie's father um and he is 
you know, forcing them to do what he says. Uh, Daredevil stumbles in on this, and Kilgrave's like, okay, kill Daredevil. And so Daredevil is forced to fight all of these pudgy middle-aged men. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of them manages to hit him in the shoulder, which puts Daredevil out of the fight long enough for Kilgrave to escape. In the process, Kilgrave erases everybody's memory of him in all of this. So now, like, none of these dudes can be witnesses in the uh, situation involving um, Maxwell Glenn. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Debbie Harris Thank also you. also got uh, rescued at the beginning, or just before Daredevil breaks up the... Uh, right, I was mm. trying to remember if that was this issue or next. Yeah, he, he rescues her beforehand, and then also before Daredevil uh, inspects the office, that's when Heather sh- shows up <clears throat> to see her father being taken away, and the entire time he's telling her, no, I did it. I did do it. I'm so sorry. And I should be arrested. Mm-hmm. And she's like, daddy, this isn't like you. What the hell? I'm going to fight for you. Stop saying you're guilty. And he's like, but I am. Um, and okay. So not yet, but Heather's real interesting this week. Um, the choices made with Heather are interesting. Maybe. I was going to say, Heather Heather is interesting, but the problem is that, by and large, Heather has no agency. Yeah, that's, I suppose. Yeah, that is true. Um, her reactions the are... Only, her reactions are very human, though. The only point at which Heather has any agency is the last issue we read this week. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, uh, Daredevil, sorry. No, what? go go ahead. I, I have nothing else. Oh, okay. Uh, Daredevil number one forty eight has a cover by Ron Wilson. This issue is primarily Daredevil running down every lead he can to try and find Purple Man. In doing so, he tracks down this uh, this random criminal who gives him a heads up that somebody's planning something big and there's going to be a meeting at a warehouse uh so daredevil heads there he arrives it turns out the person who's planning something big is actually death stalker uh while he's watching the guy he roughed up for information comes in and he's just like daredevil's here and the uh He's like, well, shit. So he winds up, um, he winds up having to fight off a bunch of these dudes. Deathstalker accidentally kills a guy. And I say accidentally, it was not, it's not like Deathstalker is just like, no, I didn't mean to do that. It's just like some dude gets shoved into Deathstalker's hand while he's doing the death touch. And he's just like, well, sucks to be you. Uh, 
stuff like that. But in the end, Daredevil's able to get away, and Deathstalker's just like, oh, how did Daredevil know? And Daredevil's just like, ah, I wasn't even looking for you. Um, whatever. Uh, uh, there, there's also, like, this background. He's having a quandary about if he can't get Purple Man, then is Daredevil a viable witness for right. the defense? Um, also, he's t- he was talking to the DA, and he's as Daredevil, he's trying to convince Tower that no, it wasn't Purple or it wasn't Max Glenn that did all this. The real head behind all of this is Ma- is Purple Man or Kilgrave. You gotta like listen to me, and the DA's like, motherfucker. I got this open and shut right now. If you want to come at me with that, you better bring some heat. And the uh, Bear Devil's like, I don't even know if I can do that. And I think it's actually next issue where he goes to Foggy to try and get him to defend Glenn. But and Foggy is my favorite. Whoop. Foggy is my favorite part of this. Okay, uh, so let's go ahead and skip to the next issue then. Um. So Daredevil number 149 is penciled by Carmine Infantino. And the art in these two issues with Carmine Infantino doing pencils and Klaus Janssen doing inks and colors is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. I love it. Um, it again, this is like proto what we're going to get when Miller takes over. And yeah. I, it's fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a there's one panel where it's like a shot of Daredevil and the inks and colors like the the penciling is really good but then like Klaus Jansen does this thing that he does a lot later on with the inks where it creates like these pockets of white in the in the inks and it just it creates this like ethereal effect that I really dig. Um, number 149 is basically Deathstalker creates a new smasher, uh, who then tries to track down Daredevil and fight him. It does not go smasher's way, whatever. Uh, but in, in the background of all of this, Daredevil goes to see Foggy about representing, um representing Maxwell Glenn. The problem is Matt is asking Foggy because he may have to appear as Daredevil. So he can't question himself. However, Foggy is adamantly opposed to this because uh, Debbie Harris was held by Maxwell Glenn and is now in such a state of shock over the whole thing she has locked herself away, refuses to see Foggy or anyone else. And has um, called off the engagement as well. Yeah. And uh, and so Foggy's just like, this dude has ruined my life. Why the fuck would I represent him? Um, and I hope you're not planning to either. Um, and at one point, like, shuts the door on Matt and he's just like, he stands behind the door like begging Matt not to do this. Yeah. Um so yeah. Um Heather Heather at the course, end of last issue had left a note at the storefront for Foggy to read to Matt. 
about uh, that she's decided to leave him and uh, leave town. Yeah. Uh, he had, at the beginning of this issue, he goes to her place and is, like, trying to, like, stabilize that. Uh, be like, no, please don't go. Uh, I understand. And she fucking lays into him in a great way. Because she's just like, where the fuck were you? My father yeah. is... Uh, in prison and I'm being told that he orchestrated a fucking murder and I needed you and you've been gone for two days where the hell have you been and why on earth wouldn't I leave you suck get out yeah and yeah like this is this is one of those occasions where Matt is Matt is seriously falling down on the job as far as his the people he cares about are concerned, he is. I understand why he approaches Foggy about defending um, Glenn, but also why the fuck would you? Um, you're a lawyer in New York. There's probably someone else you know who could do it that does not actively hate the guy they're defending. I mean, and... he's planning... Mur- Before he approaches him with the idea, he Foggy comes in, doesn't know that Matt's, Matt's in the storefront, and he's got a fucking gun. Like, yeah. And he's talking to himself about how the man ruined his life, and he's going to get revenge if the legal system doesn't fix it. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's not the guy. He's too close. You gotta get somebody else, dude. Or do it yourself. Um, and... So, like... With Heather, I understand what Daredevil was doing, right? Like, I understand Matt's plan, which is that if I can fix this fast enough, if I can get Purple Man, then none of this has to be happening. None of this is a problem. Um, But you still need to, like, check in on your girl. I I know that, like, you've got... And... Also, he even comes to his own the goddamn sense. Like, he's so single-minded about, I can fix this fast. I just have to get Purple Man and we're done. Um, okay. Fair. But you even he even comes to, I think it's at the end of the last issue, or maybe at some point here, where he's like, I'm an idiot. <clears throat> I should have gone to both of them as Matt, both Foggy and Heather as Matt. They know I talk to Daredevil. Darede- I talk to Daredevil all the time. I could just be like, Daredevil tells me it's Purple Man. He's on it. He just needs some time. Also, yeah. I gotta go. Uh, so well, I mean, all he all he has to do is go to Heather Glenn and be like, "I know this is a hard time for you. I want to be here for you." However, Daredevil knows for a fact. It's Purple Man. Purple Man controlled your father and made him do all of this. Daredevil is doing everything he can to track Purple Man down. For my part, I'm doing everything I can on my end. I'm chasing down every lead I can. So at least that explains why he can't be there for her. Where the hell he is, right? Like, I want to help you. The best way I can help you that I know of is to clear your father. Please know that I'm not blowing you off. I am doing everything I can. That's all he has to do. Yeah, this is at most 
a half hour conversation. So, Daredevil number 150 has a cover by Gil Kane. Uh, this issue basically has two parts. The first part is that Mort, the guy who was holding Debbie Harris, knows that Purple Man is involved in uh, in the kidnapping of Debbie Harris. So he hires this guy, Paladin. Paladin starts to track down Daredevil because Daredevil is tracking Kilgrave. And Paladin figures, well, why do all the legwork if it's already been done? So he goes and goes after Daredevil. They fight. They tumble into the into this room in the y, YWCA. Uh, and in the course of it, Paladin's just like, sorry, ladies, are you new in town? Where are you from? Oh, I've been there. That's really great. There was this restaurant I went to, had this... Uh, you should check out this place here in town. It's wonderful. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So he and Daredevil <laughs> leave, go back up to the roof, and he's just like, okay, so gun? And uh, <laughs> Daredevil stops him. Uh, but, like, in the end, he's just kind of like, okay, so... We don't have an issue. I don't currently know where Kilgrave is. I'm working on it. Leave me the fuck alone. And Paladin's just like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fine. Um, the other part of this is Heather goes to visit Maxwell in jail. Um, he's She's like trying to talk to him and keep it light and breezy, but he's just not... Uh, not engaging on any level he's just like so like what are you doing here don't come to see me i am lower than shit i don't deserve anything uh so it does not go well matt has a fitful dream and decides i gotta tell heather so he goes to heather's apartment uh while she's out while he's there a phone call comes in it's the warden and the warden's just like, well, you're a boyfriend. I guess I can tell you. So Maxwell Glenn committed suicide. Uh, it's at this point that Heather comes in and she's... A, Matt is there. He's wearing the Daredevil costume and he's got the cowl down. Um, it is his intention while he's there to tell her that he's Daredevil. Yes. And like to explain that's why I've been gone. Like because he's fucked around too long just yeah. doing what we were talking about like that he should have done in the first place isn't going to fly like yeah. that's not going to work anymore because it's too far gone he has to come completely clean and tell her everything um and then he's going to have to take his lumps for it like he knows that too uh and this is exacerbated by the fact that she or Glenn killed Maxwell Glenn killed himself yeah um, um yeah and uh so that brings us to daredevil number 151 which has a cover by dave cockram and terry austin and is written by roger mckenzie jim shooter and gil kane penciled by gil kane and lettered by bruce patterson so heather comes in and she's like what what the fuck um and then um 
and then he's just like, so, hey, uh, I have to tell you, I'm Daredevil, uh, but, yeah, and she's like, okay, so, okay, so, wow, uh, and initially she's kind of like, okay, great, let's clear my dad, and Daredevil's like, well, so about that, um, he's dead and uh she kicks him the fuck out like she's just like she blames him which of course because daredevil is the one who called the police on maxwell glenn was he wrong to who's to say but the fact of the matter is he did not have the full facts of what happened, and as a result, Maxwell Glenn died. You can apportion that blame however you want, but those are the basic facts of the situation. Right. And I don't blame her for blaming him. No. Um, but so, this issue is basically her, her blaming him and leaving. Him blaming himself for failing everyone uh, and smashing up his play, his house. Uh, Foggy comes to see him and he's just like, hey, so the funeral is this time. We really should go and uh, stuff like that. Even though, like, Foggy, Foggy is still, Foggy still believes that Maxwell Glenn was responsible yeah for debbie's kidnapping right but he's like i'm gonna go for heather and <coughs> she's my friend whatever yeah but yeah that's pretty much it is just heather takes off and can't say i blame her i know she's gonna come back but whatever oh well yeah, that I skipped ahead to see when Miller took over and uh, his first issue as both... No, the first issue with him and him as writer and Jansen as credited editor or uh, artist is one where Heather is back already. So, And that's only like 159 or so. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, I'm now like counting. I'm now excited to read more Daredevil just so that we can close the gap and get to the Miller stuff just because it's like, okay, like at least Daredevil will be worth reading. You know, we can argue about how good or bad it is, but at least it's worth checking out. Whereas yeah. here it's just kind of like, like this is much better and you're right i think i've got maybe a little bit of rose-colored glasses on these issues because i can see hints of where we're going to be and like okay this is gonna get better again or this is gonna get better at all uh and i i am excited about the future for this and the art's actually really good um 
there are some close-ups in this issue of Matt's face that are just spectacular. Um, and I, yeah, more than anything, it's probably just excited for what I know is coming. Kind of like when we were reading, um, like, 90... What was that? Like, ninety X-Men 91 and 92, like that area yeah. where it's like... Okay, so these stories aren't great. There are these stories are fine, but I'm really excited because I know what we're getting to. Um, yeah, and this is the this this is fine. Um, yeah. So, did we cover the back half of this issue where he saves the kid, or well, no, the kid? Well, so yeah, Daredevil winds up uncertain as to whether he should even continue as Daredevil. But then he's out for a little constitutional and a kid winds up getting hit by a bus that has been hijacked by these two dudes trying to get to the airport. Um, and then he I just like get, the thought that that's all they're trying to do. Like They hijacked a bus because that's the only way to get to LaGuardia. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, well, it was this or take a cab. Hijack the bus. Uh, but yeah, so he, he at that point, changes to Daredevil and captures them and generally reaffirms that he should be Daredevil. Yeah, um, he, and it's very... This is scary. This is the first glimpse I've seen in a while of scary Daredevil, where yeah. he's... There's no quip. There's nothing like it's single-minded hunt these men down and beat the shit out of them because yeah. that's what they deserve. And it's real good. Um, yeah. And again, this is another one of those things where it's like, I know that's coming. Like more of this is coming and that's exciting. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I kind of spaced on the back half of that. Uh, so Marvel team up number 58, I feel like we can blow through pretty quickly, uh, has a cover by Al Milgram and Irving Watanabe and is written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Sal Buscema and Dave Cockrum, inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Janice Cohen, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Irving Watanabe and edited by Archie Goodwin. The there is filming for Stuntmaster going on in New York on Peter Parker's street and uh, in the process of shooting a stunt Johnny Blaze is attacked by the trapster um, and is careening out of control Peter changes to Spider-Man and saves him from splattering and then they fight the Trapster. Uh, Trapster, it turns out, after having, uh, after having invaded the Baxter building along with Wizard and Sandman, they were all captured and then broke out. I mention this only because Sandman will be appearing in Nova and whatever. But, uh... I'm pretty yeah. sure that's why this issue is here, is to explain how 
Sandman got out. Yep. That's why it's in this reading. Um, Yeah. Certainly in this specific. It boils down to they're on the they. Um, it boils down to they chase after Trapster onto an aircraft carrier that happens to be uh, visiting New York. Uh, they Ghost Rider tr- corners Trapster into what is essentially the weapons depot of the aircraft carrier. For some reason, the aircraft carrier is also carrying nuclear weapons, um, which okay. And, uh, rather, it's going, it looks like a Spider-Man, so it looks like, uh, Ghost Rider is going to shoot at Trapster with this Hellfire and possibly set off the explode, or set off the, uh, the weapons, so Spider-Man tackles him to the ground to stop him from doing that. They uh, have a bit of a back and forth, or they have a bit of a back and forth when Ghost Rider's like, you know what, fuck this, I'm done, and just, you know, it's not Penance Stare yet, but it's it's that, um, it's yeah. the proto version of that, and he just desiccates Traps- Trapster's soul, um, and Spider Man's like, holy shit, dude. He's like, well, I was gonna take like, it. Ghost Rider's like, I was gonna glue gun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you didn't have to. Holy, and I just love the. I had, I did what I had to do. He had to be stopped. And he's like, Did you have to do it this way? Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, he's like, We're supposed to be the good guys, and he's like, I am what I am. Like, yeah, I, I thought we were cool. Uh, all right, man. Later. <laughs> Yep. Um, it, yeah. So even at the end of it, he's like, "All right, man. Okay, okay, Trappy, let's get you to the hospital." Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yep. I uh, I genuinely wish this had been like followed up on, where, you know, Trapster is out of things for a while. Because he's literally left gibbering in a hospital for for a few years <laughs> instead of like, you know, I'm sure Trapster will show up again in fucking yeah. Fantastic Four come, right. you know. But yeah, I would genuinely like to see that actually play out for a while where like Trapster actually spends some time just like dealing with this and then maybe actually like turns his life around somewhat because that could be an interesting story. Like he's still the fucking trapster, but like <laughs> you know, trying not to be a supervillain and instead like you know, he does like a frogman and tries to help Spider-Man <laughs> or something. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, I, I like that trapster is is such a shitty villain that even Peter knows it and he's like what he's he's pissed at Ghost Rider because this is like what he's done here is like if Thor 
went all out on uh, Shocker, right? Like, and just destroyed him atom by atom. Like, this is... I mean, overkill still kills, but Christ. um, This is a bit much, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Yep. So, uh, Nova number 13 has a cover by... Rich Buckler, Joe Sinnott, and Irving Watanabe, written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Sal Buscema, inked by Joe Sinnott, colored by Phil Rachelson, lettered by Annette Kowecki, and edited by Marv Wolfman. Um, this this opens in a bank where the order of operations, like reading down the page, is hysterical to me. Because yeah. it starts, like, at the top of this page is uh, Sandman and some goons punching through the glass windows of the front of the bank. As we go further down the page, we see all the other bank patrons and workers reacting to this in a, oh shit, what the fuck is going on? And then we get to Rich at the bottom of the page who's just staring at his bank statements like... Christ, I don't have any money. I was going to help Dad out. And it's like, hey, man, what? Get your head out of your ass. Yeah. Um, Eyes up, Rich. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he turns around just in time to see Sandman take on uh, the bank guard. And then this guy, called calling himself Crime Buster, comes in and takes down a couple of the... Uh, the goons with uh, Sandman as he's doing that uh, Rich has stepped away turned into Nova and comes back to start trying to fight Marco okay he tricks Marco into the uh, safe vault and uh, he's like that'll hold him um and he and Crime Buster have a bit of a hello. Uh, Crime Buster goes away. All right. Of course, Sandman escapes um, because there's an air vent. And he is approached by a shadowy figure. Uh, or no. We cut to... He goes home and the dude's yeah. waiting for him. And... <sighs> Yeah, he, the dude is like, you need a psychiatrist. You've got some shit to work through uh, so that you can actually be a decent criminal. And Sandman's like, yeah, all right. And so Rich hurries to psychology class. There's a whole thing. We get more about Mike and how Mike's problem is that he's too good at shit. And so his parents expect more of him, which on the one hand, I get that unrealistic expectations from parents destroys people. Yeah. On the other hand, as someone who is not generally good at things, allow me to say, Wah. <laughs> like, I don't well, know. It, it's his uh, framing of the problem. Like, I get it, man. Uh, 
but you're a dick about it. Yeah. So, um, it's difficult for me to sympathize with you. Like, if you just... Okay, so your reaction to all of the pressure from your outside to be to excel is to be a dick about how good you are at everything to everyone around you. Then it's you. I you know what? I'll go with you that this is a problem and that you need help. But the first thing you probably need to do is like just be less of a prick. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll probably help a lot. That's where that's really what it comes down to is. It is really hard to sympathize with Mike because he is making his problem everyone else's problem. Yeah. But whatever. Uh, So. And he knows it. Like, that's the thing. Never mind. Moving on. I agree. Um, So Nova goes out and he's he's just trying to kind of shake the cobwebs out. When he happens across a some kidnappers taking a Wakandan scientist, he intervenes, um, and then is uh, knocked out by Sandman. Sandman takes the Wakandan scientist Takora uh, and Nova back to the doctor. The comic is still trying to sell the person who is pulling the doctor's strings as a mystery, even though this issue has Yellow Claw's name on the cover. But whatever. Um, uh, there was something else. I forget what. Um, so Nova, Nova is captured, Takora is captured, uh, and Sandman is then sent on his next job, which is to, uh, kidnap Mike. Yep. Which, generally speaking, eh, go ahead. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Nova number, uh, 14 has, let's see, a cover by George Perez, Frank Giacoya, and Danny Crespi, and is inked by Dick Giordano, colored by Michelle Wolfman, and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and John Costanza. Um, Sandman is sent to kidnap Mike. Nova, meanwhile, is put into a cell where he is being held and if he tries to escape he will be killed um Richard's dad tries to get alone but can't because uh they're like well you've lost your job you're a bad credit risk and he's like god fucking damn it so he is then given a a business card from a security guard that tells him to go to a place Uh, He goes there, and there is a uh, P.O. box with a tag on it saying, Hey, here you go. Charles Charles Ryder, open me. Yeah. Uh, Sandman attacks Harry Truman High School. Uh, Nova, meanwhile, 
comes to and is informed that if he moves at all, he will be roasted and frozen. Uh, and he's just like, well, my suit is made to withstand cosmic extremes, so might as well try it. Um, so he does, and it hurts, but he manages to escape. His helmet gets cracked slightly, and his feet are burnt, but whatever. He manages to survive, and he goes um, to uh, try and make it to school before anybody's just like, Hey, is Richard dead? <laughs> um, but as he arrives, he hears people screaming and goes and discovers that Sandman is there. They fight. Uh, their fight ranges from the school to elsewhere. Uh, but in the end, Sandman falls into a cement mixing sh- machine. Uh, and is able to be hardened and captured by the police. Nova's just like, okay, I'm going to go stumble home now. Um, Mike, meanwhile, gets home and gets a call saying, hey, we have your dad. Do what we say or we'll... Or, brother. Um, sorry, brother. Whatever. He, they have a family member of his. Uh, because as we found out last issue, his dad and brother both work in like atomic energy and shit yeah whatever who cares uh but they're just like hey we have a family member and if you want to see them alive you'll do exactly as we say and that's that and this these two issues are such a letdown after the sphinx thing yeah uh i still like the fight with sandman in a he's so bad at this kind of way like but he pushes through and manages to figure out how to do like how to he lucks into beating him let's be fair but like he has to persevere in order to get that lucky break Um, yeah and that part's good yeah i don't know it is a little bit it is a letdown but after the previous fight i would love to see some progression on him being not complete shit at this um because so far like this fight he lucks into and or he lucks into a victory and the thing with the sphinx he the sphinx just decided okay you can you can live i need you alive anyway but like all right you can go uh that's not winning that's being allowed to not be totaled Um, so more than anything, like, I'm not saying that Rich needs a win. Rich losing is sort of the point here because it's, you know, nouveau Spider-Man, but like Mm -hmm. getting better at it or getting some help to be better at it would be, uh, cool. So, yeah. Agreed. Um... So, the Watcher's Guide's top five. Top five. Starting with number five, Spider-Man's reaction to Ghost Rider just sucking the soul out of a man um, is 
appropriate and still I don't know why it was so fun. It was hilarious to me because I'm a dark bastard, I guess, sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. I just like I just thought it was funny. Um, number four uh, Storm's reaction after taking the casserole to the face or some weird, weird salad to the face uh, is to immediately destroy the entire roof with lightning. That was yeah. hysterical. Um, yeah. Number three, um, Heather. Both of Heather's reactions when Matt shows up at his at her apartment, both times that end with him with her yelling at him to get the hell out. Um, yeah. I know we said, and I I admit I agree that she doesn't have a lot of agency this week because things just keep happening to her. Um, yeah. But it feels like a really well-rounded character moment for her to be like, I don't understand where the hell you were. Why can't you just tell me, you know what, never mind, fuck it, just get out. I'm done with you. You've been doing this to me the whole time. And I know I'm the crazy, flighty, silly girl, but, like, I'm... No. Uh, well, what agency she has is really good. Yeah. I, I don't want my my mention of her lack of agency to detract from what good character moments she does have. It's just that a lot of this is stuff just kind of happening to her. Yeah. So, uh, so that was three. Number two, and we didn't, I didn't really know how to bring this up during the, during the issues, but purple man as a threat in the background is really good. Um, yeah. Purple man should be used that way where, yeah, he is not supposed to be on the page. Like, it's weird. He's not supposed to be on the page. He's supposed to be out in the wild being a threat. And I mm-hmm. like that. Um, they do that in... The Jessica Jones show does that really well. Um, where he shows up, does some evil, and then vanishes for a couple of episodes. And it's just like, he's out there being a dick. Uh and I I like one thing that I really like about I don't know. There's no good way to say that. Never mind. Okay. Um I think because he is so dangerous. Like he he lends this issue, like, the, the, his first appearance when they were in San Francisco uh, was very snidely whiplash sort of evil, and mm-hmm. this is much more menacing because it puts this... Matt hunting him down so fervently that he screws up his entire life because of it is... really adds stakes to what kind of a threat he can be. Um, well, and the all things being equal, Purple Man should not be in a position to have run-ins with superheroes as a general rule. Yeah. If he does, it's because he fucked up. Yeah. Like, yeah, Purple Man should be just, you know, working behind the scenes. And if he becomes, if he shows up on a hero's radar... It should be either because he specifically did something to them or because he's 
he uh, got too full of himself and wound up, you yeah, know. That's what I was going to say. He got too egomaniacal and uh, made a mistake when he was convinced that he could no longer make mistakes. Um, yeah. So I, 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 he still looks stupid as hell. Get, I mean, the costume's terrible, but like as a threat, the costume is terrible. It's it's just great. put him in a suit. It's just fine. put him in a suit, or even even a t-shirt and jeans. Yeah. Whatever. He's the purple man. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Right. He can roll in to a five-star hotel wearing a burlap sack. And they will happily give him a room and fawn all over him. Yeah. That's the whole point. Like there, if I were purple man, if I were purple man, I would never wear pants. (laughs) I would never like who the, who the fuck is going to make me like I walk out of my house. Like, you know what? There are two things. That are keeping me from not from not going pantsless, and that is shame, yeah, and the police, <laughs> and like literally, if I if I had the purple man's powers, I'd be walking walking along, free balling it, and if people said anything, I'd be like, "It's the biggest you've ever seen. You need to go away and leave me the fuck alone." Shut up, I am wearing pants. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shut up, I am wearing pants. Oh, you are wearing pants. Um, My mistake, sir. Carry <laughs> on. Uh, and then uh, number one is sort of also a nebulous idea of. So I have written down Silent Scary Daredevil, which is really mm-hmm. more of a. Like an. In, uh, it, Indicative of my excitement for where we, where we're going, like where what Daredevil is going to become soon, maybe not yeah. next week, but like soon-ish, uh, Daredevil will be still a confounding book occasionally, but it will be a much different book, and this yeah. is like the uh, the breadcrumbs leading to that, and I. So I guess it's my ex- it, the the it's my excitement of what the daredevil to be. I don't know. Yeah. So I hear you. Uh, that's me. So this is a weird top five week for me because all of my top five are from Daredevil and Iron Fist. That's and I am. That's gotta questioning be con- things. Yeah, that's got to be confusing. <laughs> Who even am I? Uh, number five is Wolverine will clean it up. Yeah, that was great. Uh, number four is uh, Steel Serpent. And I this is on here partially because I like what they've done with Steel Serpent up to now. Uh, but also partly because I kind of wish they hadn't revealed anything about Steel Serpent to Danny. Because, so, when he attacks him this week, he shows up in the middle of something, steals a ton of Dareda, or Daredevil, Iron Fist's chi, 
and then is just, and then he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna take what should be mine Daniel Rand Kai blah 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 um, and so on what I would love is if they were to just kind of leave it for a while and every so often Danny will be in the middle of doing something and Steel Serpent just shows up, steals a bunch of his chi and then fucks off. And Danny is just left going, what is going on? (laughs) I would read the shit out of that. I would read the shit out of that. Um, So, yeah, uh, it's really it's really weird. Uh, There's a show on Hulu called The Great. Uh that is by the guy who also did the favorite. Yeah. Um, and the guy who played, uh, the guy who played steel serpent in iron fist is in that. And he's radically different because acting, but it's still really weird to see steel serpent, uh, just being like, Oh, well, I don't, I don't know if we can like, Anyway, moving on. Uh, number three is Iron Fist number 15, because I enjoyed that immensely. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, just the, the, it was a lot of fun. And that's kind of, that's kind of a nice break. And I think that's something that Claremont does well. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the time early on. Uh, later on his, his fun issues start to become the same thing over and over again. But, you know, early Claremont, like he, he is able to have these issues where it's just kind of like, uh, we're just going to fuck around this issue and it'll be fine. Um, number two, sorry. I like, it's because he's able, he does, it's like. So it's the juxtaposition of um, moods, I guess. Like, serious, 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 kick the crap out of the X-Men for, like, four issues. And then let's just chill out and fight somebody random that is a little light. And we get to have Colossus and Nightcrawler have fun at Wolverine's expense. Like, that's... During the fight. Like, that's fun. Um, Yeah. And... It works most of the time. This issue definitely works because the the heroes fighting heroes conflict uh, setup. This issue is solid. Yeah. Um, like I get why everybody's fighting everybody. Um, it makes sense and it isn't c- contrived and stupid, uh, where a lot of the time those are. And he then is allows himself to have fun with it. That's that's good. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you're fine. Uh, number two. Uh, Foggy's, Foggy's feeling of betrayal when Matt asks him to defend Maxwell Glenn, I thought was really good. Um, I, it is one of those things that uh, Foggy being used as the butt of a joke, I'm kind of ambivalent about because it's just like, Ha ha ha, he's fat. But Foggy being the forgotten friend, 
yeah. where everything's about Matt to Foggy's detriment yeah. is interesting and yeah. and something that uh, I think really works well. I think they did it very well in the show. Yeah, that was um, and it's done very well here where it's just kind of like, it's kind of like the fact that Foggy is not privy to every aspect of Matt's life uh, causes Foggy no small amount of anguish as he's there whenever Matt needs him. And Matt's just kind of like, hey, I need you to do this for me. And Foggy's like, but you're wrecking my life. Yeah. And yeah. It's a parasitic relationship. Sometimes, it very much is. Sometimes. Uh, sometimes it's fine. But some, a lot of the times it's a parasitic relationship because, you know, Foggy's, even when he hasn't gone through what they've just gone through with, uh, his fiance being kidnapped and all of the fallout from that like it's very much even when it isn't that way and he's just like doing his fucking job or whatever Matt will disappear for like three days and then he'll come back and he'll just be like oh by the way Foggy um, real quick I need you to do all the prep and brief on this specific case that we're going to start trying in uh, tomorrow thanks I gotta go. Two though. hours. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's... it's. I'm amazed when Foggy sticks it out in spite of that. Yeah. And then another sort of example is Foggy's just minding his own goddamn business and then all of a sudden Matt comes in and is like, my entire... All my relationships are trashed but you. I need you to be my support person now. And it's like... You never return that at all. Anyway, yeah, so that's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's... It's it's <laughs> a very interesting dynamic when that happens. And it doesn't... It isn't allowed to happen a lot of the time, which is disappointing. I think yeah. it should happen a lot. Uh, I, I, guess, I guess on the one hand, I'm happy it doesn't happen more. Because at a certain point, you'd just be like, just fucking leave, Foggy. Yeah. But, like, it is, it is interesting some of the time to just be like, yeah, Matt's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then, was that your... That was two, right? That was two. Um, number one is the, the combination of Carmine Infantino and Klaus Janssen this week because fuck hot damn that was good art yeah yeah so yeah that's my top five uh next week we have a bunch of bullshit um no i'm just covering while i pull it up we have some nova some daredevil some champions some eternals and some captain marvel so that's going to be a week that's kind of all over the place. Yeah. But whatever. Cool. Great. Uh, I don't know. I I don't want to read more Eternals. Um, moving on. Uh, in the interim, uh, like us on Facebook. I think we just topped 400. 
on Facebook. Fantastic. Uh, so thanks for that. Uh, follow us on either individually or at Watchers Guide MU. Um, visit our website at watchersguide.com or email us at watchersguide at gmail.com. Uh, defund the police and have a marvelous week. Bye.